This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Every summer, I have the distinct pleasure of spending an entire month with people from all over the world here in Dallas teaching the Arabic language, Quranic Arabic, the language of the Quran, and discussing and exploring the timeless lessons and wisdoms of the Book of Allah. We call this experience Quran Intensive. Please check out BayinaSummer.com That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H Summer.com to get more information and sign up. I look forward to seeing you here, inshallah, at the Quran Intensive. A'udhu Billahi Minash Rajim قَدْ كَانَتْ آيَاتِي تُتْلَى عَلَيْكُمْ فَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ تَنْكِصُونَ مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِهِ سَامِرًا تَهْجُرُونَ أَفَلَمْ يَدَّبَّرُوا الْقَوْلَ أَمْ جَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْتِ آبَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْتِ آبَاءَهُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رَسُولَهُمْ فَهُمْ لَهُ مُنْكِرُونَ أَمْ يَقُولُونَ بِهِ جِنَّةٌ بَلْ جَاءَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ لِلْحَقِّ كَارِهُونَ وَلَوْ اتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَا فِيهِنَّ بَلْ أَتَيْنَاهُمْ بِذِكْرِهِمْ فَهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ مُعْرِضُونَ أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ خَرْجًا فَخَرَاجُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الرَّازِقِينَ وَإِنَّكَ لَتَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ عَنِ الصِّرَاطِ لَنَاكِبُونَ وَلَوْ رَحِمْنَاهُمْ وَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِمْ مِنْ ضُرٍّ لَلَجُّوا فِي طُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ فَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ فَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ وَمَا يَتَضَرَّعُونَ حتى إذا فتحنا عليهم بابا ذا عذاب ذا عذاب شديد إذا هم فيه مبلسون الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة المتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى أهله وصحبه ومن تبعهم ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين In the previous session um, we concluded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ayah number 66 saying that قَدْ كَانَتَ عَلَيْكُمْ That consistently my signs were recited upon them فَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ تَنْكِسُونَ قَدْ كَانَتَ تُتْلَىٰ عَلَيْكُمْ فَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ That it was, they were constantly recited upon you but you constantly and repeatedly kept turning away from it kept deliberately turning away from it. And you know, making that decision uh, to, to leave it and to ignore it. Now here in ayah number 67, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala analyzes. 
Why would somebody, and remember we talked about a'qabikum means to turn back on your heels, and tankisu, nakasa, it means to turn away from something good. Right? You turned away from it even though you realized and you could see that it was good for you. Why would somebody do that? And so Allah explains here in ayah number 67, مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِهِ سَامِرًا تَهْجُرُونَ A very brief translation, uh, and spent the evening making fun, making fun of, in parentheses, the Qur'an, or rather, you grew arrogant therein, chattering at night and blasphemy. So there's a couple of, there's three different things that are mentioned here. Number one, مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ Mustakbirin istikbar basically refers to arrogance. Alright? So you thought that you were above being advised. You were beyond reproach. You were above and beyond any type of advice or correction or reproach. You didn't need this. Right? So that's the first thing. Al-istikbar. So they were very, very arrogant. And then Allah says, Bihi. Bihi means... Either because of it, or with it. And I'll explain exactly. So first, rather to simplify it, let me explain three things. Musakbirin means to be arrogant. Samiran, in the Arabic language, refers to talking at night. Late night gatherings, late night talking, late night gossiping. Tahjurun, tahjurun in the Arabic language means to belittle, or mock something. Like, it's also used hajar, Hajran refers, like hijrah comes from that. It means to leave something. But also when it's used in the active form, in a negative connotation, then it also carries the meaning of mocking something, making fun of something, ridiculing something. So mustakbirin refers to their arrogance. Samiran refers to the fact that they used to, you know, huddle up and gather up all uh, at nights, late nights and go all nights. And third thing was that they used to mock and ridicule. Now, this is going to seem a little, you know, uh, confusing maybe, but uh, if you pay attention, the bihi, now that's the pronoun ha, so the question is, what does that pronoun ha refer to? What is it talking about? But in order to figure that out, first you have to figure out what does the ba imply? And what is the ba attached to? Is the ba, the, the preposition ba, is that complementing the word mustakbirin, or is it complementing the word samiran? Right? Samiran tahjurun, tahjurun. Is it complementing mustakbirin, or is it complementing tahjurun? Okay? That's the question that first has to be settled. If we say it's complementing mustakbirin, then the ba means because of. They are arrogant. Allah is saying, you turn away deliberately, from that which is good for you, and you know it's good for you, why out of arrogance? Because of it. Now what does that it, that ha refer to? What does that pronoun go to? And the Mufassirun mentioned, and all the Mufassirun have presented this analysis, from Zamakhshari to Razi to uh, Ibn Kathir al-Qurtubi, they've all presented this particular analysis, that in that particular case and scenario, the Pronoun of ha, it, it is referring to the Kaaba. Al-Baytul Atiq. As Allah calls it, Al-Baytul Atiq. The ancient house of God. Alright, it was the first house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
as Allah tells us in Surah Ali Imran, in the awwala baytin wudi ali nasi laladhi bibakata. Right? That is the first house of God established on the face of this earth. And so they are arrogant. Right? It's talking about the Makkans of Quraysh. They're arrogant because they feel like we're the people of Makkah. We are the neighbors of the Kaaba. We are the caretakers of the house of God. Right? So who is he trying, why is he trying to advise us? We don't need any advice. How dare you try to tell us what we're doing wrong? Don't you know that we are very noble, prestigious people? Right? So that's one analysis that some of the Mufassirun mentioned. Musakbirina bihi. That they are arrogant because of it. What was supposed to be a blessing ended up becoming a curse. What, was suppo- what is a blessing? The house of Allah. Ended up being a curse for them. Because it diluted them. It confused them. The second meaning of the ba is that tahjurun. It refers to tahjurun. It's connected to tahjurun. Making fun of, making fun of it at night. Samiran. Gathering at late night. Tahjurun bihi. While making fun of it. Now in that case, what does the it refer to? So the person, uh, majority opinion of the Mufassirun is that this is referring to the Qur'an. That they gather together at night trying to poke fun at, trying to find mistakes in, trying to find reasons to not listen to the Qur'an. And there's plenty of references within the Qur'an that help substantiate this particular position. لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ They say, don't listen to this Qur'an. Make noise when it is being presented to you so that you may be able to dominate, overpower the discourse of this Prophet and the, 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 the enlightenment of the Qur'an. Alright, so they, they're meeting together strategically at night trying to figure out a way that they can overpower, that they can undo the effect that the Qur'an is having on the people. The second um, opinion of some of the Mufassirun is that they get together at night making fun of it. What is the it referring to? That the it is referring to everything that was mentioned above. Everything that was mentioned above. Remember the, rem- the remarkable qualities of those who believe? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشَّةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ يُؤْمِنُونَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ لَا يُشْرِكُونَ وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَةٌ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ Right, that these great qualities, they believe in Allah, they are fearful and mindful of Allah, they are conscious of Allah, they are consistent in their relationship with Allah. Even when they do good, like giving charity, they still worry about the fact that, will it be accepted by Allah or not? So sincere, so devoted, so dedicated, that they get together and they make fun of that type of behavior. That how silly are these people? Look how pathetic and sad these people are. What a bunch of losers. Right, that that's what it's making reference to. Number three, is that mustakbirin, they are arrogant. Allah is saying that you turn away from it because out of arrogance. And then to justify your arrogance, you get together at night, and you mock and you make fun of it. Now it's no longer it, it's him, be he. And this is referring to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
that you mock. And the ayat that are coming after also allude to this fact. Right? Are they really gonna try to pull that off? Are they really gonna try to say that he's crazy? Can they really in good, like in, in, in all reality, can they actually justify the claim of calling him crazy? Really? That's the best they got? So Allah calls him out on it in a few ayat. Inshallah, we're going to read it. So the third opinion is that it's saying that you get together, you are arrogant, and to justify your arrogance, you get together at night, and you mock and make fun of the Messenger wasallam. In all three scenarios, in all three cases, of course, it's basically saying that they are a lost cause. The, so these are the three opinions that they make fun of the Qur'an. You see that within the context. They make fun of people with good qualities that you see in the context. Pride was what's called the sabaq, what was mentioned before. And now uh, the third opinion is that they make fun of the Prophet ﷺ. That's in the siyaq. That is what is to come. You'll see that in the context as well. The other opinion I told you was that they are arrogant and the, their nearness or their physical proximity... Not spiritual nearness, but their physical proximity to the Kaaba causes arrogance within them. Uh, Imam Nasa'i rahmahullah ta'ala in the, in his sunan, in his collection of the hadith, specifically within the chapter on tafsir, he actually mentions that Sa'id bin Jubayr, <clears throat> a great tabi'i and a great mufassir of the Qur'an, he says and relates from Abdullah bin Abbas that he said, أَنَّهُ قَالْ إِنَّمَا كَرِهَا السَّمَرْ حِينَ نَزَلَتْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ That Abdullah bin Abbas found it very distasteful after this ayah was revealed, he found it very distasteful to gather and to hang out at night. قَالَ فَقَالَ مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِالْبَيْتِ مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِالْبَيْتِ That they became arrogant because of the Kaaba. So this opinion is attributed to Abdullah bin Abbas. So that has validity as well. And this is actually from the remarkable features of the Qur'an. Right? Like we say, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ But you can also look at it as فِيهِ هُدًا That there's no doubt in the book. And in the book is guidance. Right? So just that way how versatile and how deep and profound and multi-layered the kalam of Allah is مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِهِ بِهِ سَامِرًا تَحْجُرُونَ You can look at it both ways. Alright? Very good. Now, um, before we kind of move on, there's almost kind of a, what seems to be like a tangential point, it seems to be a little bit of a tangent, um, but as the narration I just presented, narrated by Imam Nasa'i from Sa'id bin Jubayr, talking about Abdullah bin Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, it's not quite a tangent, but... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, see, you know, I talked about the multi-layered nature of Allah's kalam. So how it's saying two things in the same, like, ayah. That they were arrogant just because they lived near the Kaaba, even though they didn't fulfill its rights. And also the fact that Allah is saying that they made fun of the Qur'an and the Messenger wasallam. At the same time, the question, really an interesting question is, why does Allah specifically mention Samiran? Gathering at night. And maybe that's just the fact of the matter. They used to do this at night. That's why Allah mentions it. But why specifically does Allah mention it though? That still, you know, is a very valid question. <clears throat> like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about people, وَبِلَّيْلِي uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about people who wake up and pray in the night. 
right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of just saying these are people who worship all the time, He specifically mentions the fact that they worship at night. Right? That they worship at night. And what do we extrapolate from that? Worshipping Allah at any time is good, but worshipping Allah at night is very, very noteworthy. Very, very recommended. And it's something very special. It's very beneficial. So similarly, mocking Allah, mocking the Qur'an, mocking the messenger, mocking the believers, right? That's very, um, that's very reprehensible and evil and bad. Regardless of what time of the day you're doing it. Being arrogant is a bad thing. But mentioning the fact that they did it at night does now hold some type of significance. And that's why Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, Sa'id bin Jubair says, after Abdullah ibn Abbas heard this ayah, this ayah was revealed, He basically, from that point on, he disliked. So the word Samiran, Samiran, like I explained before, it means to kind of gather and to hang out at night. That he became very, like he had a very negative attitude towards, you know, the socializing and the hanging out at night. He, did, he, he, he disliked it very much after this particular ayah was revealed. And there are other narrations as well. It wasn't just simply that there was some kind of like uh, side mention of it and that in and of itself. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's actually narrated from the Prophet ﷺ authentically. Just a second, let me actually find the narration. Yes. So in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, it's an authentic narration, that's why I was looking for the narration. It's in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, a very authentic narration. So, you know, a lot of times, um, especially for younger folks, it's very frustrating. Right, your parents usually are telling you not too late at night. You shouldn't hang out too late at night. Sharif logon ka wakne Right, right. So, which basically means good people don't hang out late at night. Uh, good people don't come home at this hour. You know, get off the phone, get off the computer, stop talking, lights out, go to sleep. Right, and you're kind of like, is this home or prison? Like, what's going on here? Lights out. So, it, it's a source of frustration for younger folks a lot of times. Um, but what's really fascinating is in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, I understand a lot of times your parents might end up. Uh, quoting you some fabricated narration sometimes to justify some of their positions. This is not one of those cases. It's in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, narrated by Abu Barza 
radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, kana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the messenger of God, peace and blessings be upon him, regularly, yu'akhiru al-isha ila thuluth al-layl. He would delay the Isha prayer till a third of the night. Let me explain what that means, a third of the night. So Salat al-Maghrib, I'm just going to round off these numbers, okay? Let's just say Salat al-Maghrib is at 8 p.m. Salat al-Maghrib is at 8 p.m. And Salat al-Fajr is at 6 a.m. Okay, just rounding it off. 8 p.m. to 6 p.m. Now, if you do the math, that's 10 hours. That from Maghrib to Fajr is what we call the night, al-layl. Okay? So that's 10 hours. So a third of the night means about after three and a half hours after the night started. Okay? So that means Maghrib, I said, was at 8. We see Isha time, again, just rounding off. Let's just say it comes in at 10 o'clock. <clears throat> but from 8, so the Prophet ﷺ actually used to conduct the Isha prayer at something like around 11 p.m. A little bit later. Right? Not as soon as Isha time would come in. And again, that doesn't mean that it's wrong for us to pray as soon as Isha time comes in. The goal and the objective is to pray. Right? And especially pray at a time when it's practical for people to pray. Right? But that was the practice of the Messenger Wasallam, And had a specific wisdom behind it. Listen. كَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُؤَخِرُ الْعِشَاءِ إِلَى ثُلُثِ الْلَيْلِ وَيَكْرَهُ النَّوْمَ قَبْلَهَا And he disliked people taking a nap before Isha. Why? Because that nap could turn into, right, Fajr. That nap could end in Fajr. And you missed Isha. So, وَيَكْرَهُ النَّوْمَ قَبْلَهَا وَالْحَدِيثَ بَعْدَهَا and the Prophet ﷺ disliked talking, chatting after the Isha prayer. And that was part of the wisdom. Why he didn't delay it till half the night? Right? Was because now it would be impractical, people would fall asleep prior to praying Isha, and thereby miss their Isha. But at the same time, the reason why he didn't delay, the reason why he didn't pray it right away, because what happens when you get done with Isha prayer at 9 o'clock? Then you're kind of like, okay, got a little time to hang out, you know? Stop by here, stop by there, hang out here, hang out there, right? Now there's time to waste. But if you get done praying Isha at 10.45, at 11 o'clock, at 11.30, then you're like, I gotta hurry up and go to sleep. I gotta wake up tomorrow morning for Fajr and then work. I don't got time for this. Right? So, that's the habit the Prophet ﷺ was building in the Sahaba. And again, now some of the Mufassirun, some of the scholars of Tafsir, um, they particularly mention that of course what's, right, so this getting together, kind of hanging out at night, this is something the Prophet ﷺ did not like. He did not look upon this favorably. He did not like this. The Qur'an mentions it negatively. You want to talk at night to somebody? Right? What do we find the Prophet ﷺ doing? There, there's two conversations. Number one is maybe in the home with loved ones, with family members. Right? Like the Prophet ﷺ would go home after Isha, after leading it at that 11, like one third of the night. So it was pretty late, so everybody was in a hurry to just kind of leave and get home. And the Prophet ﷺ would go home and lie down in bed. 
and use that, finally, the day's over, things are wrapped up, everything has ended, and then you use that time to reconnect with the spouse. Right? So that's a justifiable, that's a recommended type of interaction. Spending time with loved ones. All right? Especially like spouse, especially when you're busy. And other than that, you want to really talk and spend time and interact? Well, spend time and interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Give some time at night to Allah. You can spare some time, you can make some time. Make time for Allah. Spare time for Allah. That's what night time's for. So he did not look favorably upon this in general. Now as I was, I was mentioning, so that's a general rule. Some, some scholars have kind of mentioned here, under this particular topic in even other books, books of hadith and the sharh of the hadith, uh, books of tazkiyah and tarbiyah, where they talk about, you know, a summer bilayl, like kind of like gathering together and hanging out and night gatherings and things like that. That they mention it there. They'll make a little exception. They'll say, of course, what's excluded from this, if 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 it is a gathering of benefit, right? If it's a gathering of benefit, such as a halaqa of ilm, right? Maybe you're attending like a little uh, seminar or an intensive or an i'tikaf or something like that, where after isha prayer you're gonna have a reading of a hadith with a teacher. Right or something of that nature, you're going to get together with uh, a classmate and finish up your, uh, you know, surf chart homework. Say inshallah. inshallah. All right, very good. So um, you you're going to get together and wrap up your homework, right? So that's something of benefit. Now that's obviously an exception from that. But, however, I still have to mention. Well, obviously you're not doing what's bad, but. At some level, you still have to appreciate the wisdom of what Allah is pointing out. And what the Messenger of Allah is clearly saying. That that's just not a good habit. I have to finish my homework. What would be a lot more, and our teachers used to actually really emphasize this to us, right? So, I still remember, you know, after, in the, in the summertime, Right after Isha, once we prayed Salat, because Isha would be so late, be like 10:30 p.m. We pray Isha. That after Isha, we'd have mandatory study, kind of like a session um, in the evening. So it'd be in the big masjid. There's humongous sahan. There'd be over like a thousand students huddled up in different circles where you're kind of discussing what what you learned today, and you're debating and arguing and asking and answering and just kind of like tearing apart what you did that day in class. You know, um, and so as we'd be kind of gathered there, so we do that in the summertime, of course, it'd be, it would start uh, prior to Maghrib, continue after Maghrib, and, and conclude with Isha, because Isha is late. In the winter time now, obviously, you sometimes have no choice, right? Because Isha time can come in as early as 7 p.m. So if you're supposed to lock it up, right, lock it down after Salat al Isha, like, we're going to have everybody kind of like, in bed at 7.30, not knowing what to do with themselves, right? So that's that's not going to work, obviously. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ would delay the Isha a little bit. So in the wintertime, he would prefer to pray Isha at a more, kind of like a, at a time like 9 p.m. or something, right? So again, where you could maintain some consistency with that. But nevertheless, for us, Isha was very early, 7.45, 8 o'clock. So then, then that study session, right, discussion time, would kind of extend even after Isha. 
it would extend a little bit after Isha and it would conclude at kind of a general time, 10 p.m. So that there was kind of a consistent habit. 10 p.m. it ends, you wrap things up, you go and turn in for the night. And I remember we're kind of sitting there um, and, you know, the it was understood. It was, it was, it was of course, understandable that sometimes at 10 o'clock, you know, you're kind of... T- told, you know, you can, everybody knew at 10 o'clock, you can just kind of disperse and head off. But if you're in the middle of something, you're getting your work done, you don't want to leave it in the middle of everything, right? So you sit there for an hour, an hour and a half, another 11, 11.30, maybe till midnight max. But we're kind of going a little bit extra. We're going a little bit longer into the night because we got some work to catch up on. And... Very strangely, like it's probably 1 a.m., 1.30, we're still there in the sahan of the masjid, kind of outdoor in the courtyard, and one of our teachers comes kind of walking by, and we really didn't expect to see him out and about at 1.30 a.m., um, and we were just kind of like, oh, wonder what he's doing here, right? And he kind of came over to us, and he said, what are y'all doing? And I said, oh, well, actually, this is what I'm doing, Right? Or you kind of feel like, yeah, I'm going to score some points now, right? Everybody else asleep, me studying, right? So I said, actually, I'm studying, right? We're still studying. And he said, I understand that's good. But you know what would be a lot more preferable? So what's that? He said, if you would have wrapped up around 11, 12, and you go to sleep, and then maybe you wake up for Fajr at 6, right? But instead of waking up for Fajr at 6, that extra hour or two hours that you're going to end up putting in at night right now while your brain is fried and you're physically exhausted and you're yawning, right? You're yawning so big you look like you're going to eat the book, right? <laughs> right? And, and you're distracted and rubbing your eyes and stretching out and laying down. Like, think about the amount of time you're wasting. If you were to just wake up 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour max prior to Fajr, Go to sleep at 11. Go to sleep at 12. And then instead of like sleeping at 2 and then barely getting up at 6.44, right? To pray Isha, uh, excuse me, to, to make wudu and pray Fajr in 60 seconds. Set the new world record, right? <laughs> instead of that, if you would have gone to sleep at 11.30, as you're supposed to, and then instead of waking up at 6 for Fajr, you just wake up at 5, what you would get done in that hour would be more than you would get done all night long. Right? And so, there's wisdom. So even though they're saying you can't condemn at the same level somebody who's getting together late at night and wasting time and gossiping and chattering and talking about useless, pointless things, you can't group that together with somebody who's having a halaqah of ilm, right? At late at night. But again, Having that halaqa of ilm late at night still is indicative of the fact that you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Right? So you're, you're still not doing what's most preferable. Right? So that's something very important to take into consideration. And lastly and finally, why? Why is this being kind of targeted? Why this, you know, this uh, gathering or doing things at night? Why is it being targeted so specifically? Just because the Prophet of Allah some talks about this in numerous authentic narrations, that the fitna of the night is more severe than the fitna of the day. The fitna of the night is more severe than the fitna of the day. 
And that's something that's irrefutable. If you have basic common sense, right? If you actually live in this world, that's something you can't deny. Bad things happen at night. Bad places open at night. Bad people come out at night. Right? And that's a fact. That is a fact. And that's, that reminds of the beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And I'll kind of conclude with this. That the beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where he says when nighttime occurs, night, the darkness of night settles in. Right? Isha. So post-Isha. People divide up into three groups. There's a group that the night is beneficial for. They gain something during the night. And those are people that spend their night in the worship of Allah, talking to Allah. Or at least even a a part, a portion of their night, they dedicate to Allah. There's a second group that the night becomes a curse for them. It's a burden. And those are people that head out to disobey Allah. And there's a third group of people who don't necessarily, like maybe do something good, but they also don't end up doing something bad. And those are people who pray, Isha, go home and turn in for the night. They go to the sanctuary that is supposed to be your home, they turn in for the night. And those people, if you look at it, Again, from the surface, they didn't gain or lose. But if you didn't lose, you actually gained. If you didn't lose, you actually gained. Because you protected what you had. And those are those people. Right? And it's very important. Part of, again, in kind of our, you know, American, Western, modernized city, you know, slick, um, you know, you know, mindset that we have, culture that we have, you know, we, we sometimes don't want to hear or talk about these things, but a part of the Islamic tarbiyah really is to kind of really have a schedule, have discipline, right? Like it's almost like being a morning person. I'm not a morning person. Well, ayadu billah. Believers are morning people. Right? I know that sounds kind of harsh, but it's, it's got to be that. We, we got to learn to get there, folks. Right? Oh, I can't go to sleep early. I just can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to learn how to. From a worldly perspective, I mean, talk to, again, all the self-help gurus that are out there, all the you know, big-time achievers, and you talk to them, and they all tell you the same thing. They go to bed at night and they wake up early in the morning and get a, get a jump start on things. That's what all successful people tell you. From a worldly perspective, successful people. But Islamically, there is nobody more greater than Muhammad wasallam, And he went home at night and he was a morning person. Early morning person. We got to get on that, inshallah. Alright, so mustakbirina bihi samiran tahjurun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the next ayah, He says, أَفَلَمْ يَدَّبَّرُوا الْقَوْلَ أَمْ جَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْتِي آبَاءَهُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ A very brief translation, Have they not contemplated the word of God? Has something come to them that did not come to their forefathers? Um, or another translation takes a slightly different approach, Then they do not reflect on the word of God, or 
Are they in denial only because there has come to them from God what did not come to their forefathers of old? So here Allah is saying, أَفَلَمْ يَدَّبَّرُوا this, is, this comes from the root word dabara, like dubur. It refers to the back or the end of something. From this you have the word, the form tadabbur. Tadabbur, does that sound familiar? Takabbur, tadabbur, tadabbara, ya tadabbaru, tadabburan. Never, no, okay, no, never mind. They're like, no, that's tomorrow morning, brother. I'll see you. All right, so tadabbur basically refers to deeply reflect on something, to get to the bottom of something, to dig to the bottom of something. And that's the word that Allah uses in the Quran for pondering upon the Quran. Afalam yadabbaru al That have they not pondered profoundly? Al qawl. Al qawl refers to the Quran here. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Am ja'ahum? Or are they still hung up on the fact that ja'ahum, that there came to them, ma, that which, lam ya'ti, that which did not come to aba'ahum, their forefathers, al-awwaleen, of old. Are they still hung up on that fact? Right, so there are two thoughts that are shared here. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, by the way, their denial, their refusal to accept the message is not based within any type of reason or logic or legitimate reasoning. Because they have not even reflected upon and thought about the book of Allah, the Qur'an. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this many different places in the Qur'an. أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ Why do they not reflect upon the Qur'an? أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِنَا قَفَالُهَا Or are their hearts completely locked up in these like traps? Right? أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا That do they not, why do they not reflect upon the Qur'an? Do they not reflect upon the Qur'an? Because if they would, they would come to the profound realization that if this came from anyone other than Allah, then there would have been huge amounts and abundance of discrepancies within it. But the fact of the matter is, there is not a single slightest discrepancy in it. So how can it not be from Allah? Right? They would be faced with this realization that they have to accept this fact. So here Allah is making reference to that same idea, أَفَلَمْ يَدَّبَّرُ الْقَوْلِ have they not reflected upon the Qur'an? Which they obviously haven't, otherwise they would have accepted it. And then Allah says, The majority of the Mufassirun, and the language is very clear in this regard, that they're still hung up on the fact that something has come to them that did not come to their forefathers. Time and time again, that was the response that Allah tells us in other people that were destroyed by Allah. That's the same response that they gave. Look, we're just doing what we found our forefathers doing. We just found, we're just continuing down the path that we found our forefathers continuing down. Right? So leave us alone. Don't bother us with all of this. So this is... What's problematic? Some Mufassirun also have translated and understood the ayah to say, Am ja'ahum, right? And really this isn't a strong position because the language and the kind of the flow and the context really doesn't support it. But they say that another way to understand this, and the first translation kind of alluded to this, and that is that Am ja'ahum, 
Like, have they not yet realized that what has been given to them? That isn't it the same thing that was given to the earliest of their forefathers? Because who are the earliest of the forefathers of the people the Prophet ﷺ is preaching to? Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Haven't they realized yet? This is the true legacy of Abraham, of, 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 of Abraham, of Ibrahim. Right? That haven't they realized that this is really the path of Ibrahim? Millata Ibrahim Hanifa. That this is the path. This is the religion of Ibrahim. Haven't they understood that? So some have also interpreted it that way, but as I said, the context really doesn't. Um, support that particular uh, interpretation or translation. But the primary one that the Qur'anic context also seems to support is the fact that what they're, what's being said is that are they still hung up on the fact that because their daddy or granddaddy or whoever else didn't ha- believe what they're being asked to believe, that then it's not good enough for them? That if they're hung up on that fact, then there's no reasoning with people like that. They're close-minded, they're narrow-minded. Ayah number 69, Allah says, maybe, what else could be a problem? Number one, they didn't reflect on the book of Allah. Number two, they're trapped within their cultural paradigm. Number three, A translation says, do they not recognize their messenger? So why do they reject him? Right? Or is it that they do not recognize the well-known integrity of their messenger? And so they disavow him? Their messenger. Very interesting. Allah refers to the Prophet ﷺ as their messenger. Meaning he was sent to them. Also alluding to the fact that he is from amongst them. Which was talked about earlier in the surah. He's one of them. He's amongst them. He grew up amongst them. He lived amongst them. They know him. They've seen him. Many of these people remember the day that he was born. Abu Lahab, Abu Jahal. They remember the day he was born. They knew his father, they knew his mother. They saw him growing up. They saw him become a young man. They attended his wedding. They remember the day his first child was born. They've done business with him in the marketplace. They've been neighbors with him. They've sat at meetings with him. Like really, and now all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, we don't know who this guy is and where he came from. Really? And in your entire, you know, very, you know, long-standing history with him, is there anything you can point to that you would deem problematic? Problematic enough to where you would just reject him and not believe in him? And in fact, slander him and ridicule him and mock him? Can you? And there's so many different um, narrations of this. You know, Ja'far bin Abi Talib, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he stood in front of a Najashi, yes, he was Muslim, but he was stating a fact. Why? Because Amr bin al-As was standing in the court. And Umar ibn al-Walid, who came with Amr bin al-As, he was standing in the court. They were two disbelievers. And Umar was actually quite a wretched man. Amr bin al-As radiallahu anhu would eventually become Muslim later. 
But at that time, he was an non-Muslim. And he was the leader of Quraysh. And he came to actually drag these people back to Mecca, calling them slaves and whatnot. Right? So he was very much on the wrong side of the issue at that time. And Umar ibn al-Walid was just a wretch. So they're standing right there. And Jafar ibn Abi Talib, when the king hears out what the Makkans have to say, the Quraysh, right? Amr ibn al-As and Umar, what they have to say. After he listens to them, he asks the Muslims, what do you have to say for yourself? And Jafar, the older brother of Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, he says at that time, ayyuhal malik, O king, God sent a messenger amongst us. We know his family. We know his entire family history. We know his truth. We know his trustworthiness. He's saying that, okay fine, somebody can be like, well, you know, Jafar is a Muslim, of course, what do you expect him to say? But Amr bin al-As and Umar are standing right there. And when he says this, everybody in the court turns to them, like, would you, do you want to respond? Do you want to, do you have a rebuttal to their argument? And they're just kind of like, no, nothing. It's remarkable. Mughirat ibn Shu'bah, he says to, the same thing to the, the emissary sent by the emperor of Persia. Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan. Sakhar ibn Harb. Abu Sufyan. The Abu Sufyan. Again, he would become Muslim much later on. But he's standing in the presence of Hiraqal, the emperor of Rome. And he says to him, when he asks him about the qualities of the Prophet wasallam, Abu Sufyan cannot lie. He can't deny the fact. And he says, he admits that all we know from him is honesty, trustworthiness. He's never lied to us. He's never lied to anybody. That's one thing I can't accuse him of. Right? So again, he, even the enemy admits. So Allah is saying, أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رَسُولَهُمْ Right, so are you trying to say that you can't vouch for that these are his qualities? What did Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha say to the Prophet sallallahu when he received revelation? إِنَّكَ لَا تَصِلُ الرَّحِمْ وَتُكْسِبُ الْمَعْدُومْ وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلْمْ وَتُعِينُ عَلَى نَوَائِبِ الدَّهْرِ وَاللَّهِ لَنْ يَخْذُلَكَ اللَّهُ أَبَدًا You take care of your family, you look after, you, you provide for people who can't provide for themselves, you lift the downfallen in society, you're always first in line to help with any worthy cause. Right? And that was something nobody in Mecca could disagree with. So Allah says, Am lam Don't they, is it that the fact that they didn't recognize the man who was sent to preach to them? Of course they did. They knew exactly who he was and they knew what kind of a man he was. Fahum lahum munkirun. And then still somehow, inexplicably, they reject him. They deny him. Inexplicably. There's no logic here. There's no reasoning here. And as a side note, before I move on to the next ayah, something very powerful that one of the scholars mentions, that when Allah says, Rasulahum, their messenger, 
This is also to establish the hujjah because Allah says, "Well, kunna mu'adzibina hatta nabagh rasula." We do not punish a people until we send a messenger. This is Allah also putting them on notice. We've sent you a messenger. The onus to believe is now on you. The onus to believe is on you. Ayah number seventy. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ بِهِ جِنَّةٌ بَلْ جَاءَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ لِلْحَقِّ كَارِهُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, a translation says rather, why do they say he is possessed? He has brought them the truth and most of them hate it. Or do they say he has madness in him? Rather he has come to them with the truth, but most of them are utterly abhorrent of the truth. So Allah is saying, أَمْ يَقُولُونَ Could it be possible? Or rather, excuse me, rather, يَقُولُونَ بِهِ جِنَّةٌ They accuse the fact that he has, and again, how they say it, also shows a lack of confidence. They're not saying, هُوَ majnoon. He is crazy. He is possessed. No, no. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ بِهِ جِنَّةٌ Common form. بِهِ جِنَّةٌ He's maybe got a little bit of an issue. There's something kind of off about him. Right? But Allah says, بَلْ بِالْحَقِّ The previous ayah refutes this idea already because you know him. You know exactly where he's coming from. You know who he is. You know his personality. You know his accomplishments. You know what he's done, what he hasn't done. How can you stand there and intelligently claim he's crazy? You can't. بَلْ جَاءَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ but rather he came to them with the truth. وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ لِلْحَقِّ كَارِهُونَ This is where Allah exposes them. The reality is that most of them just cannot stand the truth. وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ لِلْحَقِّ كَارِهُونَ Specifically when it comes to the truth, they cannot stand it. That's really where their problem lies. And that's where their issue is. That they cannot stand the truth at all. And so... Some of the scholars like Imam al-Razi rahimahullah ta'ala point out that this is Allah completely just dismantling their argument. That their argument against the Prophet ﷺ or against Islam was fixated on two things. Number one, you know, was they tried to attack the Qur'an and Allah dismantles that argument, their attack towards the Qur'an. Number two, they tried to defame or they tried to... Uh, assassinate the character of the Prophet ﷺ. And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely dismantles and completely obliterates any type of an argument that they can make. And there's a narration that Ibn Kathir ta'ala mentions. They're really, it's a, it's a mursal narration where Qatada relates that dhukir lana, it was informed to us, it was mentioned to us, anna Nabi Allah And this kind of exemplifies how resilient and persistent and dedicated the Prophet ﷺ was. And again, how flimsy and flaky their reasons to not believe were. So, anna Nabi rajulan. The Prophet ﷺ met a man. فَقَالَ لَهُ He said to him, Aslim, submit to Allah, accept Islam. فَقَالَ الرَّجُلْ إِنَّكَ لَتَدْعُونِي إِلَىٰ أَمْرٍ أَنَا لَهُ كَارِهِ you're asking me to do something that I don't feel like doing it. You're telling me to do something and I don't feel like it. فَقَالَ نَبِيَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَإِن كُنْتَ كَارِهًا Even if you don't feel like doing it, isn't it good for you? Shouldn't you do it? وَذُكِرَ لَنَا أَنَّهُ لَقِيَ رَجُلًا He met another man. 
فَقَالَلَهُ أَسْلِمْ He said, accept. فَتَصْعَدُهُ ذَلِكَ وَكَبُرَ عَلَيْهِ That was kind of hard to swallow for that man. فَقَالَلَهُ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him, listen, I can see that you, you feel like it's going to be an inconvenience to you. But he says, أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ كُنْتَ فِي تَرِيقٍ وَعْرٍ وَعْثٍ That if you were on a path that was very difficult and narrow and constricted, فَلَقِيْتَ رَجُلًا تَعْرِفُ وَجْهَهُ وَتَعْرِفُ نَسَبَهُ But you met a man, you know his face, you know his background. Meaning it's a way of saying, you know this person very, very well. فَدَعَاكَ إِلَىٰ تَرِيقٍ وَاسِعٍ سَهْلٍ And he's asking you to come to another path. He says, hey, don't walk down, don't drive down this road. There's a lot of potholes on this road. It's going to mess up your car. It's going to be very uncomfortable. There's another road that runs parallel to this road. And it's very nice and smooth and new and clean. That, akunta tatba'uhu, would you follow that man? So he says, na'am, of course I would. I swear by the one who holds Muhammad's life in his hands. I swear by Allah. You are on the narrowest path imaginable. Life with no hereafter in sight is the bleakest existence possible. And I am calling you to a life that has no end in sight. That death is just the beginning. That the possibilities are endless. The sky is not even the limit. Right? That that's what I'm calling you to. وَذُكِرَ لَنَا أَنَّ نَبِيَ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم لَقِيَ رَجُلًا And he met a man. فَقَالَ لَهُ أَسْلِمْ He said, accept Islam, believe in Allah, submit. فَتَصَعَدُهُ ذَلِكَ It was very hard for him to swallow. فَقَالَ لَهُ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him, أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ كَانَ فَتَيَانِ أَحْدُهُمَا إِذَا حَدَّثَكَ صَدَّقَكَ وَإِذَا تَمَنْتَهُ أَدَّاءَ إِلَيْكَ وَأَهُوَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْكَ أَمْ فَتَاكَ الَّذِي إِذَا حَدَّثَكَ كَذِبَكَ وَإِذَا تَمَنْتَهُ خَانَكَ قَالَ بَلْ فَتَا يَا الَّذِي فَقَالَ لَهُ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم كَذَاكُمْ أَنْتُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم called him to Islam and again he says, no, it's not for me. And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم asked him, he says, if two people, right, two people, you have two friends or two acquaintances, one always tells you the truth. One is always good to you and the other one always lies to you and always stabs you in the back. Who would you listen to? He said, the one who always tells me the truth and is good to me. And the Prophet ﷺ just kind of like, almost like threw up his hands and he said, Allah will deal with you people. I don't know what to do with you. Right? You tell me that it makes more sense to listen to somebody truthful. That it makes more sense to live a more meaningful lifestyle. That it makes more sense. But then when I give you an option that makes more sense, that fits the description, the logic that you're presenting, then you reject it. I don't know what to do with you people. Right? أَوَلَمْ يَتَفَكَّرُوا مَا بِصَاحِبِهِمْ مِنْ جِنَّةِ Allah said in Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 184, that haven't they really thought about it? 
They know, they know that the man they're talking about, the man in question, Muhammad is not crazy. They know that. But it would just take, number one, intelligence, and number two, honesty on their part. And those are two things that they just don't possess. Allah says in Surah Taqweer, Ayah 22. Allah says in Surah Tur, Ayah 29. That by the blessing of your master, you are not a soothsayer, a sorcerer, nor are you possessed or crazy. As Allah had said earlier in Surah Al-Mu'minun. Allah said in Surah Dhariyat, Ayahs 52 and 53, that every single time, before even these people, a messenger or a prophet came, They always either called him a magician or crazy. Don't hold out a lot of hope in these people, because they are just people who have crossed a certain line. Allah says that we have sent you with the truth, and they just don't like the truth. You people just don't like the truth. We have sent, we have get, we have sent with him to you with the truth. The fact of the matter is, you just don't like the truth. In Surah Hajj, in the previous Surah, Allah says that when the ayat, the signs of Allah, our ayat are recited upon them clearly. You can see from their faces that they don't want to hear it, that they don't want to listen to it. Right, And we've talked about how not only do they not want to listen to it, they don't want anyone else listening to it either. And that's why they say don't listen to this Qur'an and make noise, distract people when he's trying to share the Qur'an with them. So we'll go ahead and conclude here at ayah number 70 inshallah. And we'll start with ayah number 71. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that's been said and heard. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi.